0: The human senses perceive less than 7% of our world. There are things that lurk in the other 93% of our realm that we do not interact with. Or do we? All of us experience something odd at some point in our lives, something... unusual. Whether it is an event that appears coincidental or an experience that defies logical explanation, there is so much we don't yet understand in our world, residing just beyond reality's veil. It was a warm and sunny autumn day, myself and my friend were driving on the interstate with batteries and cameras crammed into the trunk of my small sedan. As we neared closer to our destination, we stopped for some quick food and made our way through the countryside of southwest New York, up the hillsides to an old farmhouse. We were greeted by a woman who gave us a tour of the small house which was rather dark inside considering how sunny it was outside. She wrote me a receipt validating our evening there, and handed me the keys to the place. The sun was setting, casting long dark shadows on the old home. We unloaded the car and set up some cameras around the house, as well as some various recording equipment, and tools to detect environmental changes. Coming here, I thought I had picked a potentially haunted place to spend an evening to have some thrilling experiences, but it turns out, this location picked me. And several years later, I'm still riding the roller coaster of thrills that the dark shadows and faint whispers lure you onto. Ladies and gentlemen, please keep your arms and legs inside the ride at all times. Oh, and do get comfortable and enjoy your ride. For this roller coaster, never ends. That night we arrived for the first time to Hinsdale was the first night I truly had experienced something I could not logically explain. During our tour, we had been told that if we wanted to stir the place a little, sit and chat amongst ourselves. We did just that while we sat in the dark kitchen of the home. The smell of coffee surrounded us as the damp, cool evening air seeped through the cracks in the walls and the gaps in the windows, settling on our skin the drowsiness from the day's drives settling in our minds as we sunk into the chairs around the table, as the clock crept up on the midnight hour. The air sat stagnant and the house was silent, aside from the echoes of our voices, telling stories and nearly forgetting we were in an old, supposedly haunted, farmhouse. I was mid-sentence when a flash of brilliant white light appeared in my left eye's peripheral vision. I swung my head to face the stairs, and seeing as how my friend did the same, I knew we had both seen it. A wave of both concern and excitement washed over me. I had asked my friend if he'd seen what I'd seen, and he confirmed that he had. It had originated at the staircase and had almost looked like the flash of a light bulb blowing as soon as the switches flipped, or the flash of a magnesium photography flashbulb. Some may suggest that a light bulb had blown, or a switch might have arced, or even that it came from my own equipment. That's where this becomes unexplainable. The staircase has no switches, no lights, not even electrical wiring leading to the second floor. The second floor also has no power at all, and no lights. I also didn't have a single item with me that would have been capable of generating white light. Even our flashlights were red LED, not white. After that experiment, the night continued on as normal. With the exception of a few digital EVPs caught on recorder, we experienced nothing else the remainder of our night there. We packed up whatever was still recording and we opened the door to load the car just before sunrise. Throughout the night, heavy fog had settled around the house and in the chill of the night air, a pack of coyotes could be heard howling in the not so far distance. Just as the sun peeked up over the ridge, we packed the last of our gear and locked the door. I opened the mail slot to drop the keys in, bid farewell to the house, and dropped the keys in the small mail slot. As tired as we were, we drove home without sleeping, stopping only for fuel and food along the way. The five hour drive home felt like an eternity as my body melted into the car's comfortable interior. My eyes weighing heavy and my breathing slowing, I frequently needed to shift my position to awaken myself more, and drank caffeine the entire way home. The next few days, both of us were extremely drained, neither of us had experienced a drain quite like that place before. As time went on, I started having violent nightmares about death, my own death. I would see myself, a doppelganger, smiling a twisted smile while he cut himself or jumped off a building or some various form of ending his own life. It really varied night to night. I finally had performed a cleansing with salt and water and rid myself of anything clinging to me that was lowering my vibration and energy, even if it wasn't from that house. And the nightmares had stopped. I finally decided to sit down several months later and review the footage. I had never had so much activity caught on camera or audio before. To share my findings, I pieced together a small amateur episode and uploaded it online. Ever since being there, and especially after reviewing the footage, I had so many questions in my mind, and I felt compelled to go back. I got my wish in February of 2017. Just five short months after having been there for the first time, I returned to the house for a public event. It's too small of a location for many people, so it was a quaint group that night. I had driven into a small town south of the location the night before, and stayed the night with some friends. The next evening we drove up the freezing, snow-covered hillside to the Hinsdale House there it was exactly as i remembered it a handful of people shuffled into the old farmhouse seeking shelter from the cold brisk air during the investigation which was only a few hours long i'm sorry to say that not much happened too many people perhaps the following morning i headed back down the snowy pennsylvania mountains towards home a few weeks after i noticed the house started calling me stronger than before this overwhelming curiosity I had more questions than answers. I would visit the house one more time later that year, having entirely different experiences than the other times I had been there. Nothing was consistent with this location, and at this point, for several reasons, it seemed like an event larger than the house itself was happening. I decided to plan a time frame with the owner of the home to investigate there to test some theories with the idea of turning what I'd captured into a documentary. Only this time, we would be there for a week. Since scheduling my time at the house for a solid week in the spring of 2018, my team member who had been with me the first time I was there had moved away and would no longer be investigating with me. I had made arrangements for friends to go with me, whom all had experience investigating and could be there for the week with me. Just days before starting the trip to the house, every single person canceled their plans with me. They were either sick or had commitments suddenly arise. I had planned this for too long, prepared for it for too long. So as dangerous as it sounded, and as much as I didn't want to, I went alone. This podcast is sponsored by, well, me. But it could be sponsored by you too. When I'm not writing podcasts or filming and researching, I make 100% soy pet-safe candles and aloe hyperallergenic soaps. My customers say that all of my products smell amazing and the candles burn slowly and last a very long time. By becoming a Patreon member, you get exclusive access to endless scents of soap and wax melts, and even candles, delivered right to your door. But that's not all. Other cool perks include access to raw and uncut footage of my documentaries, like the Hinsdale Archives. You won't want to miss out on that. You also get early access posters, private live streams, even discount tickets to any open range events. More of the metaphysical type of person? I also provide astrological readings and even large crystals as part of my perks. Sign up for my Patreon today at patreon.com findings to learn more. It was a bright sunny spring day, just warm enough to be comfortable after the harsh winter had finally faded away for yet another year. I arrived at the house for my first night alone, just as the sun was falling behind the hills. The woman who had greeted me the first time I was there was awaiting my arrival. She had made sure I was set to go and handed me the keys for the week. I stood at the door and watched her car fade away as she drove down the hill out of view. The wind was still, the birds and frogs chirping all around the house. The fields were warmly lit by the orange glow that remained from the setting sun. Yet inside the house, it was already dark, damp, and cold. It was like watching life from the veil of death itself. Inside the threshold awaited darkness and mystery, and just on the other side was the warm glow of life, laughter, and things to explore and adventures to be had. It was surreal. It had started to dawn on me that I was alone. No civilization. No cell phone service. No help if something went wrong nothing except myself, and whatever was aware of my presence in the house. I quickly unpacked my truck and set up in the house, racing the sun and trying to make the most of what daylight I had left. Once the sky faded to black and the house had cameras rolling, I realized just how eerie everything had felt. The warmth of life on that spring day had faded to the beat of frogs chirping in the yard and the uneasy feeling of being watched from afar. Remembering what had happened last time when we ignored the house, I decided to let the house sit empty and leave the cameras recording. It had been a long day and I hadn't eaten throughout the trip or before arriving at the house, so I locked up and headed into the next town for dinner. About two hours later, I was driving up the hillside back to the house. It was around the midnight hour, and I had felt very tired from my journey and from the anxiety I had been feeling regarding this solo trip. I decided to make night one strictly a static camera footage night. Once I arrived at the house, I packed up my cameras and headed to my local hotel for the evening. No way was I letting my guard down in that isolated home by sleeping there alone. The next morning was another sunny day, but there was a steady, chilly breeze all day. When I arrived at the house, my nostrils were immediately violated by the stench of rotting flesh. I looked around the grounds and noticed hundreds, if not thousands, of flies buzzing around chaotically. I felt dread entering the house that day, knowing this wasn't a good sign. The house was dark inside, yet again, even with the sun washing over everything outside. Just an hour into my setup, I felt drained, as if I hadn't slept in days. I stayed in the cold house a while, until I became disoriented and exhausted. I had to take a break. I stepped outside and investigated the grounds, which feel like a separate haunting altogether. I felt better in the fresh air, until I felt like I was being watched in the woods by something I couldn't see. (laughs) Just to get away and ground my energy, I drove into town and walked around the Walmart for a while. Then I went back to my hotel, grabbed some food, and decided to take the time to call someone who was helping me with this investigation from a distance. Greg Newkirk, curator of the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and the Cult, had a large scrying mirror, which was used at the house. It was designed to be a window into Hinsdale, and we were going to use that window that night. We arranged a time and made a plan and I drove back up to the house. After some evening investigating and letting the house sit a little more while I took a break to prepare myself for the night, we started the experiment. The results were quite shocking. After the experiment was wrapped up, I felt like I had to leave the house immediately. I gathered what I could and I left the house around midnight yet again. Knowing how the house behaves when it's empty and how much it likes to capture your attention when you aren't looking, I decided to starve the house of contact for 60 hours. I called this the isolation phase. I not only left the property, but I drove the five hours home to be as far from it as I could. This gave me time to recover and also go over some of the footage 60 hours later I arrived back at the house a warm spring day sunny again with light cloud cover a warm breeze filled the air I noticed immediately that the smell of rotten flesh as well as the flies were gone it hadn't even lingered a little bit it was as if it never happened I stuck the key in the first door lock and on the wooden floor inside, I heard two heavy footsteps run towards the stairs. I felt my heart race and my breath quicken. I had to do this. I had to finish this. I opened the house and announced my entry aloud. The entire day I was losing track of time and I had a very hard time focusing. I also started feeling waves of anger and depression consume me. Just before night fell, I decided it was not safe to continue the investigation. I packed up everything I had and drove straight home from the house. On the way home, I had a few odd experiences with cold spots in my truck, and I even got lost and came across a very large cross in the mountains, illuminating the night sky with a shimmering white light. I made it home early the next morning, and I passed out in my bed for several hours. Some time went by before I even looked at the footage. After I started working with the footage captured, I started experiencing technical difficulties, including, but not limited to, two motherboards burning up, a graphics card burning up, CPU failure, hard drive crashes, and even a memory card that disintegrated in my hand upon ejection from the camera. It would be a solid year before I was able to work with any of the footage. In that year, I had a lot of events take place in life, a lot of doors open, and a lot close. A lot had changed for me. But I still had the feeling I had to go back to Hinsdale. There was something I had to do there. I planned a trip there for two days of filming in the early summer of 2019. In the meantime, I had attended an event in South Dakota that I was speaking at about some research I had done into this thing we all experience that we call reality. I had mentioned this trip to the house to my friends during the event and they were anxious to see what would happen. Before departing South Dakota, I had invited one of them, Maria, to join me and assist with the filming. She agreed to go with me, and my friend and team member, Amanda. One month later, Maria arrived at my local airport, and we drove to the Hinsdale house for the final filming. Or so I thought. A series of events occurred as a result of a risky experiment I performed within the house during this trip, which left me with more questions than ever before. Although this house has darkness associated with it, I will say there was a light side, as ultimately, this filming trip brought Maria and myself together. Since then, every time we investigate anything together, both of us experience very extreme events, things that most seasoned investigators have sought after for years, even decades. This proved most evident when we arrived at the house again in October 2019, and we captured the clearest disembodied voices I've ever experienced, ones that we heard with our own ears as if it was another person. It was as if we'd slipped back in time itself within that house. All of this led up to me working diligently to release a five-episode documentary I called The Hinsdale Archives. It can be found at Amazon Prime and you can also find it at hinsdale.space. Now that you've heard the backstory, we've only climbed the hill to the first drop of this wicked roller coaster ride. Since the release of the documentary, I've experienced more and more and I've found synchronicities and events that tie into that house. So many that I can't keep track of them all. Once you see the documentary, it'll make sense how this can go on. I'm already planning a second season, and it has me traveling the country, seeking related events and locations. It's grown to something much larger than a house, than myself, than all of us. I find myself socially isolated, buried in books for weeks at a time, researching maps and timelines and correlating events. My sanity feels like it's slowly slipping away, that this can't be real. But it is. Some things I've discovered have been mind-blowing, and I feel like the universe knows I'm listening. It knows I'm onto something. The deeper I go, the more things start to happen to me. A week ago, I was reviewing footage, and a ball of white light got between me and my monitor. It shifted and flew past my face. I heard a whiz sound as it went by my ear, and I felt a breeze go by my head. I've heard a man and a woman talking within my home which is relevant if you've seen the archive's documentary. A few days ago, I was driving to work. It was 4 a.m., and it was raining. My car's headlights are LED, so it shows raindrops very vividly. In the rain, I saw this, what I thought was a large raindrop, disappear in front of my car. A few seconds later, a ball of white light flew out of my steering wheel towards me. I wear a lanyard with my badges for my workplace, a watch, pens, and keys. It hit the lanyard so hard that the watch flew up towards my face, and the remainder of the day I felt like I'd been hit in the upper abdomen. And then, finally, just today, I was driving into work again, around 4am. I crossed several bridges on my way in. The elevation of the first one showed me two brilliant white lights above the treetops in the distance. It's raining today, with a very low cloud ceiling. Maybe it was two helicopters, with spotlights, but it certainly wasn't an airplane. They were below the cloud level, and they were hovering. A few miles down the road, I crossed the second bridge, which is over a large body of water. You can clearly see where these lights were. By the time I had gotten there, there was only one bright light. Just as I saw it, it floated up into the clouds and faded away. Something knows what I'm up to. Something knows I'm on the verge of breaking through secrets long forgotten, that reality isn't what it seems, that there's more out there. Is it warning me? Is it encouraging me? I can't say for sure. I know I can't stop though, even if it puts me in danger. This path is leading to somewhere big, and it's time to show the world. It's time for the collective to wake up from their dream and see things for what they truly are, just beyond reality's veil.